Two days ago, I saw a vehicle that had hauled that tanker. You want to get out of here? You talk to me. minute where it's push me shove you in mad max to the road warrior one minute at a time i'm rick and i'm julia and today we're talking about minute 83 which begins with max being pushed to the side of the road by the red raider car and it ends with an unfortunate raider and his motorcycle being run over by the tanker we kick off today with the raider that was fortunate enough not to hit the crashed buggy and so he is just left rolling in the dirt and we cut back to max who is trying to focus on driving the rig despite all of these different distractions. Another person also trying to focus on driving is the bad cop that was left in the red car after his buddy was shot. Is he in the back seat or in the passenger seat? He's in the passenger seat. Okay, so at least he's on the same bench Mm -hmm. as the steering wheel. He's not trying to reach over something other than, you know, the dead body of his friend. Yeah. Given the circumstances of trying to control this powerful machine over a dead body, he does fairly well. Oh, yeah. I think most people would have crashed a lot faster than he did. The fact that he's able to at least keep the Falcon pointed in a direction that would inconvenience Max is pretty impressive, I'd say. I mean, he definitely succeeds in pushing the rig off to the side of the road. Like, there are at least a couple of tires of Max's that go off into the dirt. Okay. Like, he's off the pavement type of thing. That is quite an accomplishment for such a small but powerful car to gain some level of control over this gigantic rig. Mm. I feel like this move kind of catches Max off guard, because after we see the rig get that far off the road, Max starts to react and turn the wheel in the other way. And it's at that point that we really get to see the rig throwing its weight around, pushing that red car back onto the road, despite the fact that the Falcon is turned all the way to the side. Like, the squealing that you hear, those are the Falcon's tires getting just pushed along the road. Yes. And that leads us to a magnificent crash. Yeah. So the Falcon is able to, either through Max's creative driving or them not having speed control, get out in front of Max, and it swerves back and forth across the road. And it just happens to line up at one of those swerves that Max is able to take advantage. This crash reminds me of way back in the beginning of Mad Max 79 when Roop and Charlie crashed through the van, and it's just, like, magnificent And there is debris flying everywhere. And it's a show. And it's gorgeous. That's what this crash reminds me of. Hmm. What I like about this crash, as opposed to the van crash, because the van crash was two fairly light vehicles colliding with each other. Yes. One colliding with the other, I should say. But this one, the rig is so much larger and so much heavier than the Falcon that it just takes the back half of that car and just disintegrates it into so many pieces. And I love the different angles that we get on this crash because we've got the main one where the rig is going into the side of the car. It's kind of the head-on view. And then we transition over to the side of the road where the car is being pushed and spun into the dirt and then of course there's that final wide shot where the tanker is just driving by the red car as it's sitting there in pieces i like that we get a lot of these different views of it to really appreciate it you can tell comparing the two crashes and the two movies in their entirety comparing them 
you really see a level of sophistication in this movie that we didn't necessarily see in Mad Max 79. Mm-hmm. And it that's not why this movie is a better movie than Mad Max 79, which is debatable, but it does up the stakes. An interesting thing about this crash, specifically with the second angle that we get, the one where the car is being pushed off to the side of the road, the camera that they're using to get that angle and everything is flying at the camera and it's all very intense coming at you. You can see that camera in the third shot of the three where the red car and its accompanying debris flies into what looked to be a mound on the side of the road with like tires and things. That's what they intended to be a protective box that they put their (laughs) camera inside. Okay. That box was intended to make sure that the camera isn't damaged by the car and the stunt and everything like that. Okay. Unfortunately for them, I don't remember where I read it, but I'm pretty sure they broke one of the lenses that they were using as the car smashed into that protective box. Okay, so they were able to recover the footage. Oh, absolutely. Okay. You don't actually see the debris hit that camera because they cut off the... Oh, okay. I always wonder when we hear these behind the scenes stories about cameras getting destroyed, I always wonder about the footage. So Max is able to dispatch the red car. It's no longer an issue for him. And for a moment, for the slightest moment, we have nothing but clear road ahead. But before we get to that, I forgot to mention something. In the wide shot of the rig leaving the red car behind, there's a piece of debris that's rolling away from the red car, and it goes and collides with one of the tires of the rig. And when that piece of debris collides with the tire, we get the crash of a cymbal, and the score comes back in. That's some very nice editing. Yeah, I, I think that's a detail that most people wouldn't see, wouldn't notice, but it's a nice little payoff for people who are paying attention to those details. So as you mentioned, we get a nice little break in the action, which I really appreciate. I'm not a long action sequence type of person, so I really appreciated this, uh, like a second or two. It really does not last very long. I'm looking at my notes here. The shot of Max just hunched behind the wheel as he drives starts at around the 22nd mark, and... The next shot that we see, the pair of raiders on the motorcycle, that doesn't start until 24 seconds. Oh, so we get four seconds or so of a break. It's long enough to catch your breath. Yeah, it is. And during this four second break, we get a really nice shot from inside the cab of the rig of Max's view out the front. And it's just wasteland as far as the eye can see with no motorcycles, no buggies, no cars, no trucks, nothing in his view. So I definitely get the sense that he felt that moment of, okay, I can breathe, as well as us, before once again all hell broke loose. Exactly. We don't get that long before raiders start making their way onto the tanker. And the first pair of raiders that we see are a couple of guys on a motorcycle, and they're approaching the side of the tanker. And Max is able to see him. He looks back over his left shoulder, and he catches sight of them. But one of the raiders, the one riding on the back of the motorcycle, he's a bit of a fancy boy. He pulls out this crossbow and he does it with this like flippy flourish thing before he takes aim with it and fires it into one of the rig's tires and of course the arrow goes right into the tire and the tire goes flat but one thing that stands out to me is different about this instance of a tire being shot is that we actually see the tire flattened and flapping and we hear the flapping sound effect and it's something that we really have not heard in all of the other instances of tires being shot out 
in this movie. That's very true. And once you hear that flopping rubber tire noise, it's such a distinctive noise. And I don't know about you, Rick, or our listeners, but when I hear that noise, it's not a great reaction for me. No. Because, you know, when you're driving and you have a flat tire and you hear that noise, that's bad. You have a flat tire and it's annoying and it's going to take up a bunch of time. And in your case, Rick, it means you're going to get towed. And it's just, it's not a good noise. No, it doesn't really make that much of a difference to Max, though. Mm -hmm. I have not been counting tires as carefully as I've been counting shotgun shells. But he originally had 10, lost at least one on the drive into the compound, and I think this is his second losing on the way out of the compound, or is this his first? I don't know, because I'm not keeping track. But yes, he started with a lot of tires, but, you know, it's going to start to make a difference soon Mm -hmm. that he's losing them. I'm still wondering why no one has gone for front tires. Right, because those ones are not doubled up, right? Right. Right, so all you gotta do is take out one of those, and none of the other tires make any difference. I'm pretty sure we're hearing this one flap so much because it's one of the outer tires, and it's actually slapping against the road, and you it has room to spread out and get all floppy, where the other tires that have shot out seem to be, like, inner tires. Yeah, I think so. Like on those back dually setups. Can I ask a question? Yeah. This is one of those things I've always wondered about and never bothered to find out. On trucks, why are there two tires right next to each other like that? It's for weight distribution. Okay. I always thought that it was the way the way that Max is using them is just in case one of them blows. Yeah. They still have another tire. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, it's one of those things where all of the weight of the trailer, yeah, it's being held up by the trailer's tires, but all of that weight is focused on that one connection point at the back of the rig, pressing down on that rear section. And so you double up the tires on either side, and it is able to handle that weight a bit better. Okay, that makes sense. So while we have the motorcycle raiders shooting out tires at the front of the tanger, at the rear of the tanger, we've got a bad cop who was the one that released Wes with the bolt cutters. He's climbing to the front of the Lord Humongous' truck, and he uses the Lord Humongous' truck as kind of a springboard to jump onto the rear ladder of the tanker. Kind of surprised that he was able to do this so easily because a few minutes ago there was a whole like contraption attached to the back of the tanker and it got ripped off. Mm-hmm. So I guess he's pretty lucky that there's still a ladder there that wasn't ripped off with everything else plus Zeta for him to scurry up. And also he makes this look so easy. He made the jump from the car to Humongous's truck look easy and now from Humongous's truck to the tanker. Mm-hmm. He makes it look so easy. I say, this is the guy that you want scrambling all over the place. He's really good at jumping, apparently. Yes, he is. So we've got the bad cop at the back of the tanker. We've got Bear Claw Mohawk on top of the tanker. We've got Crossbow Raider climbing from the motorcycle onto the side of the tanker using those barbed wire post things. Mm-hmm. Once again, them being more of a help to the raiders than a hindrance. And so now we've got at least three bad guys yes. on this tanker all at once. Yes, we do. This whole sequence of them climbing onto the tanker really reminds me of the tanker boarding scene from the first movie, Mad Max 79, where the acolytes are using clunk to slow down the tanker, and then you've got Mudguts pole vaulting onto the top of the tanker, and then you have Diabando and Johnny the Boy running up from behind to jump onto the ladder that that tanker had 
so that they could climb up to the top and siphon the gas out. In that first movie, the Acolytes are able to siphon gasoline out of the top of the tanker, and I have to wonder, all of the modifications that the compound did to this tanker, I'm pretty sure they covered up those top hatches with a walkway or something like that. I don't remember there being open hatches when Wes was running along the top of the tanker during the, I wouldn't say compound invasion. It was just like five guys. But the last time we saw the top of this tanker, I don't remember there being big hatches that they could pull gasoline from. But if those hatches were there, then the raiders would have been able to get onto the tanker and then just open up the top and start siphoning gas out. Well, yes, their sights were so much larger than siphoning a tank's worth of gas out of there. Yeah. It never occurred to them to check and see what was in the tanker. I don't think it... No, it didn't. We've we've talked about it before. It never occurred to them that it wouldn't be full of fuel, which just boggles my mind that they would go through so much effort without confirming what they're going through the effort for. Yeah. This tanker has a side spout coming out the bottom of it. Yes, And there's going to be a shot later on, not exactly sure when. We don't have that much movie left. But at some point, we're going to see that the side spout is partially open and leaking dirt out the side. Mm -hmm. Like, if you've got a direct line into the tanker there, sure, it would take some forethought and some ingenuity and some clever engineering. But I feel like you could engineer some way to drive up alongside that spout, open it, put a funnel underneath, and just drain the tanker as it's driving. Ooh, yes. I think that would be a really easy thing for Max to... Combat. Yes. All we'd have to do is zigzag. Yeah. Serpentine. Serpentine. Right. And you're right, that would have taken forethought on the part of the Horde, who have a one-track mind. Yeah, All of this stuff about, oh, they could siphon it out the top, oh, they could steal it from the side. These guys are hell-bent on getting the rig and the tanker. They want those two things, and they aren't super concerned about getting the gas in this moment in time. They just want to stop the rig, get the tanker. Perhaps by now, it's partially like the principle of the thing. Like, we said we wanted the tanker. You defied us. We said no one will live. We want the tanker. And you defied us again. So now we are going to take the tanker no matter what. Like yeah. They have to follow through on their threats, even though they're already not following through on their threats because nobody pursued the other compound dwellers going the opposite way. Yeah. Humongous promised that nobody would survive this. Meanwhile, like everyone is surviving this with the exception of like a handful of people. <laughs> right. Three people have died so far. That's a very small portion of the total number of people. Yeah, it's nowhere near to, quote unquote, everybody. Right. (laughs) Or, I guess I should say, quote unquote, nobody. Yeah. Getting out alive. You know what I mean. So the crossbow raider is hanging off the side of the tanker, and he shouts back to his buddy, still on the motorcycle, the tire, shoot the tire. Oh my gosh, I both love this scene and hate it. I hate it because it's so stupid. This guy is so stupid. But then that's why I love it too, because he's sitting there on the bike in his own little world, and I swear he is bopping to music. If this were a more modernly made movie where wireless earbuds were more common and you know everybody had them Mm -hmm. i would assume he had earbuds he was listening to his ipod i imagine when they told him okay you need to make it look like you're riding on a motorcycle his initial thought was okay i'll just bounce up and down right yeah because that's exactly what he did and it seemed like an afterthought oh i'll shoot out the tire yeah yeah it should have been obvious 
And why did he feel the need to shoot out the tire at point-blank range? Yeah, he's sitting there, and he hears his buddy say shoot the tire, and he's got his little wrist-mounted crossbow, which is a different model. Like, you can tell that these little wrist-mounted crossbows are probably, like, custom-made for each person. right. Because his doesn't have a bow across the front of it. It's got, like, a couple of springs that propel the carriage forward. So he's got his wrist-mounted crossbow. It's loaded up. And he starts reaching out. It, like, leans forward. Yeah. And we reverse that angle and we see his hand, which is a mannequin hand. It's like a rubber hand with the sleeve on it. And... The arm just gets closer and closer and closer, and then eventually it just gets caught up in the tire, and it starts flopping around because it's made of rubber. (laughs) But it begs the question, you have a wrist-mounted crossbow. Crossbows are ranged weapons. It's not like you've got this gigantic arrow that you need to make sure it has the maximum speed to get into that tire. you got these little bolts on your arm. Just shoot it at a distance. Don't get all that close, because what happens is that his arm gets messed up by the tire, and then he's pulled over getting caught up and then the whole thing we get a shot underneath the tanker as the bike goes sideways lands on the ground and gets run over by essentially all of the rear tires of the tanker oh it's just so dumb yeah and yeah i watched that scene over and over again just completely mystified by how he's sitting on the bike and the expression on his face like he hasn't a care in the world yeah he's so spacey Yeah. Another thing maybe I should have been counting was how many vehicles are left. Yeah. Although, at the beginning of, is it tomorrow? Yeah, pretty early on in tomorrow's minute, we get a nice overview, and I did actually count. Nice. What was left. So we'll get that tomorrow. Yeah. Mad Max Movies has an entire page dedicated to this effect that we see of the motorcycle going underneath the tanker and then getting run over. So according to them, this is where I'm reading it. So the special effects team of Monty Fegeth, David Hardy, and Steve Courtley designed, set up, and executed this complex gag. The setup involved an intricate arrangement of hooks, cables, and counterweights, explosive charges, and so on. The mechanism was designed to release the bike as it pulls it underneath the tanker, and all the while pulling the bike, but also pulling all the cables out of the shot. And it was just a whole lot of intricate wires and pulleys. And basically, the system was so complicated that it actually had to be operated manually. So they mounted Monty Figueth underneath the tanker. And so he was there to pull everything. Oh, of course they did. And operate the mechanisms. And so when you see that motorcycle with the dummy on it get pulled up underneath, that's Monty just manually activating that gag and the whole thing just like we see in the movie gets pulled to the side rolled over and then right underneath the tires all right it's another thing that reminds me of the first movie because getting run over by multiple tires at the end of a tanker trailer Mm -hmm. yeah or maybe just a trailer in general but it's what happens to the tow cutter after he gets hit by the truck the truck rolls over his bike and his body and everything like that so it's not the first time we've seen a motorcycle completely wrecked by a trailer nope and i can't imagine it will be the last time no no i don't think so i think that brings us to the end of the minute it really does our parting shot for this minute is the crossbow raider who's hanging off the side of the tanker and he's looking back at where his buddy was and then he shrugs it off focuses towards the front of the tanker and keeps moving and that's where we wrap for today when we come back tomorrow we've got some characters that have been absent for a while they're going to be coming back we're going to get some nice wide shots so we can keep track of how many raiders there are now and uh come back for that 
The Mad Max Minute podcast is a fan project by Rick and Julia Ingham. The Mad Max franchise was created by George Miller and Byron Kennedy and presented by Warner Brothers Pictures in association with Village Roadshow Pictures. Mad Max Minute is produced and edited by Rick Ingham. Our opening music is by Daniel Batista of DanielBatista.com. You can follow Mad Max Minute on Twitter at Mad Max Minute, on Facebook at Mad Max Minute Beyond Microphone, and at MadMaxMinute.com. And finally, if you would like to contribute to the podcast, visit MadMaxMinute.com, click on the support link at the top of the page, and check out our Patreon to help us keep the tanks full. Thank you for joining us for Minute 83 of the Road Warrior. See you tomorrow.